Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Today, as we talk about the Holy Spirit being our best friend, I want to call this first message, Who not what? Who, not what? The Holy Spirit is not a what. He is very much a who. And one thing that I've noticed about life is that we are all very different. We all, uh, you know, have different lives, but we share a lot of the same experiences. Take friends, for instance. We all have friends, and I believe that if we were to compare notes on our friendships, that our friends would fall into one of four categories, okay, that, that our friends fill these categories. The first category of friendship that you have in your life are the dreamers. Um, and these are the people that, you know, they're always starting a brand new business. They're always making major life changes. They're the dreamers. They're, they're kind of out there. They're creative. They're going to they're gonna change the world. We also have the people in our life that I call the talkers. And you guys know who that person is in your life. They call you, you answer the phone, and then they fill up the rest of the time. If you're like me, I'm not going to mention who the talkers are in my life, but I have been guilty to just lay the phone down and go do two or three things and come back and pick it up, and they didn't even know I was gone. We all have some talkers in our life. We also have the weirdo. We love them, but we're, they're weird. All right, we, we love them, we, we pray for them, God bless them, we'll send them a Christmas gift, but they're weird, and they date people even more weird than they are, right? Just strange, you know? We, but we love them, we got, everybody's got the weirdo. Uh, and then you have the connector. Um, the connectors in your life are the people that are always trying to hook you up. You know, you need to go on a date with so-and-so, or you need to meet this business person, and I think you guys could network. They're always networking and connecting people, and, and let me just say, if you're thinking right now, you know, I know who the dreamer is in my life. I know who the talker is. And yeah, I've got the connector. I'm just not sure which one is the weirdo. I hate to bust your bubble. It's probably you. All right. You're probably the weirdo of, of the group. Now, today, I, I simply want to be a connector for you, to connect you with the person of the Holy Spirit, because he is a person, and I think sometimes that gets lost, whether it's because of our up, upbringing or the baggage we carry from a religious experience that, that we had in the past, but many of us, we can, we can get our minds around the fact that God is a father and Jesus is a person, but we really struggle to put the Holy Spirit in a category, right? Like, how do we define him? How do we relate to him? And for some of us, because we don't understand the Holy Spirit, we just avoid him, right? We, we, we just don't talk about him. And, and so we just we, we push it to the side and, and just simply ignore the person of the Holy Spirit. And my concern is that a lot of us, we allow fear, we allow misinformation to keep, to keep us from pursuing a relationship with our potential best friend. I have to remind you that Jesus said to the twelve who were with him every single day for three and a half years, living life with him, he made a very powerful statement to them. He said, guys, um, it's really cool that I'm with you, but 
I'm going to go from you, but what I want you to know is that it is to your advantage that I leave and go away so that I can send the Holy Spirit. Because it's no longer going to be God with you, it will be God in you. All right? Big difference. How many know it's a big difference from God with us and God in us? And so Jesus encouraged them in that. And, and many people today, I believe they have doctrinal beliefs. They have, they have traditional beliefs. But I think a lot of people are missing biblical beliefs about the Holy Spirit. And so the Apostle Paul saw that in one of the churches that he wrote to, the church of Corinth. And not only did they have some messed up beliefs, they were abusing uh, the Holy Spirit. And, and uh, there was just a lot of weird things going on in the church. And Paul wrote to them in an effort to clear some things up. And he wrote to them in 2 Corinthians 13, verse number 14. And he said, the amazing grace of the master, Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. Now, I want you to see here, Paul highlights what stands out about each person of the Godhead. He starts with Jesus. How many know it all starts with Jesus? He's the cornerstone of our faith. The reason we have a relationship with God the Father is because Jesus came. He died for our sins, that God's punishment was taken out on him on the cross, and, and we can know him, and this grace that he offers us cannot be earned. It is, it, it is uh, simply given to us, and that all starts with Jesus. And then when he moves on from Jesus to God the Father, he speaks about the love of God. And I love that because I'm a father of four kids, and, and, and I can't imagine my life without any one of those four kids. I can't imagine it. My love for them is just so big. I mean, you as parents, you know how much you love your children and that you would do anything for them. But what we have to understand is that God the Father loves us more than we love our kids, that our love pales in comparison to his love. So he talks about the love of God, but then he moves on and he says, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. And that line, as I was preparing this series, it really leaped off the page at me that you could have an intimate relationship, an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. And, and, and my desire over the next few weeks is to connect you with him. And, and I want you to know that he is the most amazing He's the most wonderful. He's the most powerful person I know. He has been with me in the darkest seasons of my life when I have failed miserably, when I've experienced defeat. He has been there in the seasons of great breakthrough and victory. The Holy Spirit wants to be your best friend. And the cool thing about the Holy Spirit is, is that he will be there through every circumstance that you face. Aren't you thankful that Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to live in us here? It's good stuff. Now, we're going to hit some basics real quick. These are just basics about the Holy Spirit. Number one, the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. Now, I know a lot of people get freaked out when you talk about the Holy Spirit, like he's some mystic force. He's a cloud. You know, no, he is God. He, he is God. And he's not less, less than God the Father and God the Son. Not less than at all. We, we know, Jesus said, unless the Holy Spirit draws you, you can't even have a relationship with the Father. The Holy Spirit appears in Scripture in Genesis 1. 
I mean, he's there before we hear of Jesus, right? He, he's there. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the deep. We see the Holy Spirit in Genesis chapter 1. On the first page of your Bible, by the second verse, we already see the activity of the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. In the New Testament, the word spirit and God are used interchangeably. Sometimes they will say God, sometimes they will say spirit. They are used interchangeably. And many of us struggle with the whole concept of the Trinity. We, we, we struggle, you know, with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. How can God be three people? A basic uh, illustration for you would be water. We know that water can manifest in three different forms. Water can manifest as a solid, a liquid, or a gas, depending on the temperature. But what you have to understand about water is that the molecular structure of water never changes. It's just the expression that changes. What you need to know about God is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's one God who manifests himself in three Persons. Does that make sense for everybody? And so we, we, we got to know that, that the Holy Spirit is not less than, okay? He is God. The second thing that I would tell you about the Holy Spirit is that he lives in you. And I'm going really fast because it's hot, and um, I don't have a lot of time anyway. I, I've been running to try to lose weight. I've lost about 40 pounds now, up to eight miles on my runs. And I should have just said, y'all turn the air conditioner off and let me preach three times. I mean, that, that would have done it. Um, but but not, not only is he God, listen, he lives in you. He li when you say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, I need your grace, forgive me, come into my heart, save me. At that moment, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your life. That he moves in. 1 John 4, 15 says, If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And this experience happens by faith alone. You can't earn this experience. It's putting your trust and confidence in God. When you get saved, at that moment, the Holy Spirit moves in. You are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. And, and it's just like if you move into a new apartment or you move in to a new house. When you move in, one of the first things you do is you start taking out all the stuff you don't like and then you replace it with all the stuff you want in that, that new um, house, in that new apartment. The same thing happens when the Holy Spirit enters our life. When he comes in, he starts taking out all the stuff that we don't need and he starts depositing some gifts and some things that we do need in order to grow in a relationship with God and grow in our purpose. The next thing I would tell you about the Holy Spirit is that he is a person. He is a person. And this point, more than any other, answers the question of why so many people say, well, I've asked Jesus to forgive me, but I feel like something is missing in my faith. I feel like there's just something missing. I would suggest to you that that missing something is really a missing someone. But the Holy Spirit, he is a person. And if you fail to see him as a person, you will never develop a relationship with him. You will not grow in that. The Holy Spirit is not an it. Well, it showed up Sunday. No, he showed up. Right? It, it's, not, it's not an it. He, 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 is, he is a person that wants a relationship with you. 
Many of us have been guilty of calling the Holy Spirit an it, or we, we've heard someone refer to the Holy Spirit as an it, but he is somebody, and he's more than an experience. He's more than a moment in your life, and many believers have, have mistaken him to be a moment when the preacher gets real loud. That's the Holy Spirit. Or the worship team does the song, we like, oh, that's the Holy Spirit. No, he's more than a preacher being excited. He's more than a worship team doing a good job. The Holy Spirit transcends all of that. And he's there all the time, 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. He is an ever-present help in the time of need. He is always there. He transcends an experience. And some of us have limited him to one encounter to one experience that, that we, we've enjoyed. But we need to know he's all-knowing and he's all-loving. And, and, and you may say, well, what makes him a person? What makes the Holy Spirit a person? The same thing that makes you a person. He has a personality. I'm not being weird, church. He has a personality. Scripture's very clear that he has a personality. The first thing that, that, that I want to share with you is he has a mind. The Holy Spirit has a mind, all right? Look at Romans 8, 27. It says, he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. There is praying in our own understanding, but there's also praying in the Spirit. There's a big difference. And the cool thing is, is that the Holy Spirit has a mind and he knows how to pray a perfect prayer. There are, there are times when you pray and it's in your own strength. But how many know there are times when you pray and it's not in your own strength? You know something is leading these words. Something is helping me pray in this direction. And, and it's powerful because the Holy Spirit has a mind, which leads me to the next thing. He has a will. There are things that the Holy Spirit wants to accomplish in the earth. And in this verse, Paul is connecting the fact that when the Holy Spirit comes, he comes with gifts. Aren't you glad that the Holy Spirit has some gifts? Right? And, and Scripture talks about nine of them. Gifts of tongues, interpretation of tongues, a prophecy, uh, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, discerning of spirits, gifts of faith, working of miracles. Uh, I'm quoting the Bible to you, by the way. Uh, healing. Okay, he lists all nine of those things. And then he concludes it in 1 Corinthians 12 and 11. He said, these are the work of the one and same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So he decides. He has a mind, but he also has a will. There's some things that he wants to accomplish. He also has emotions, such as love and joy. Now, we, we usually don't think of you know, God or the Holy Spirit with emotions, but he does. In, in, in Romans 15, 30, he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. And Galatians 5 says the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. You guys know the verse, that he has emotions such as love and joy. He also speaks. Come on, hit your neighbor and say he still speaks. He speaks. The Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. He wants to talk to you. And, and, and listen, I know some of you are like, man, this is weird. I, I get that, you know, I can open the Bible and read it and God's talking to me. But how many of the Holy Spirit wants to bring what you're reading to life? He wants to take what I'm preaching, okay? Listen, without the Holy Spirit, I'm going to preach and you're going to be asleep. And I've had that happen, by the way. Really good for the confidence for the pastor. 
He wants to speak to you. Hebrews 3 and 7, so as the Holy Spirit says today, if you will hear his voice. And many times he's talking to us and we ignore it. We pass it off. We want to pretend that that's not God, that's just me. And let me, let me encourage you, if, you, if, if some, God is telling you to do something, listen, it's not you doing that. That's not the devil telling you to do something good. I get, I get cracked up at Christian. I don't know if it's the Lord or the devil. What did they tell you to do? Well, they told me to, you know, adopt an orphan or to, to go be a missionary or to speak to this person and encourage them. Why, would, why in the world would the devil tell you to do that? It's not that difficult. The Holy Spirit is speaking still today. So he speaks, but, but here, and this is kind of, I don't want you to take, 8.30 service, when I got to this point, I felt like running and hiding somewhere. It was, it, it was dead in there, all right? Y'all going to be the lively bunch though, right? Okay. You got a little more sleep, a little more coffee, you're good. Um, the Holy Spirit can be insulted. We don't like talking about this part of it. He can be insulted. Look at Hebrews 10, 29. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? And we may have to come back to that another day and, and, and go a little deeper into that, but he can be insulted. He can also be resisted. How many of the Holy Spirit is a gentleman? He doesn't make us do anything. He doesn't force us to do anything. If we don't yield to the Holy Spirit, it's not going to get done. He's not going to make us do anything. Um, the, the last thing I would tell you about this, about his personality, is the Holy Spirit can be lied to. Now, he knows it's a lie, but you can lie or attempt to lie to the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 5, it's, it's a chapter that a lot of people stay away from because the early church has all this momentum and everybody is, is you know, they're, they're giving their time, their talent, they're giving their money. And, and there was this couple named Ananias and Sapphira who said, I, we're, we're selling this land and we're going to give it all to the church. But look at what happened. Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and you have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Now, that was not a problem that they kept some of the money from the land that they had sold. The problem was is that they told the church, we're going to give it all. And then Peter addressed How would y'all like to have Peter for a pastor? Well, we pledged uh, this amount, and Peter would show up and say, you short on your pledge, you just lied to the Holy Ghost. Oh, did I say that out loud? <laughs> See, he can be lied to, all right? Now, the Holy Spirit is a person. He's someone that we can get to know better. And from my perspective, from a pastor's perspective, I think that he is tragically neglected. I think a lot of people, a lot of churchgoers, they won't deny his existence, but, but they, they, they deny that he's a person that they can have an intimate relationship with. And, and so that's what we want to address over the next four weeks. What we have to understand about the Holy Spirit is that just as air is essential for us to live physically, the Holy Spirit, he is essential for us to live spiritually. All right, without him, without the, let me, let me put it like this. Without the Holy Spirit, our Christianity will become dry. It will become mundane. It will become a duty. It will become an obligation. It, it, it'll be all about effort. 
It'll be draining to you. There'll be no closeness with God. But if we can invite the Holy Spirit into our lives and to lead our lives every single day, he can, he can breathe some fresh, fresh wind on that relationship to make sure that, that you feel that closeness with God. Now, I, obviously, I have four kids, and they all want, at different times, they want time with me. And when I say time with me, it's not enough for me to be in the room with them and me be on my phone. You know what I'm saying? Or driving down the road and we're going to do something, but I'm, you know, I've got something I'm listening to. I'm there, but I'm not really present. There are times that it, they don't really want anything I can give them. They just want daddy. Like, can you be here present? Can, can I know that you're here? Thank you, Pastor Jeremy. I, I want to know that you are engaged in this relationship. And the Holy Spirit is a person who wants to be engaged. Listen, he wants to know you, but he also wants you to know him. And I think many times, man, we just, we love the Lord, but we're ignoring the Holy Spirit and his promptings and, and him speaking to us. And I'm not trying to be goofy or weird, but, but you need to know that can be an intimate relationship. Potentially, he can be your best friend. Now, we, we've got to ask what damages our relationship with the Holy Spirit? Because we can damage it. And I'm going to give you two things that the Apostle Paul points out. Two things that can damage our relationship with the Holy Spirit. This is a little heavy. Hit your neighbor and say, hang in there. All right. Number one, grieving the Holy Spirit. Paul mentions, mentions two things that can damage our relationship with the Holy Spirit. We can grieve the Holy Spirit and we can quench the Holy Spirit. Now, let's look at grieving. Ephesians 4.30 says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. One of the, one of the foundational desires of the Holy Spirit is to make you and I look more like Jesus. Okay, a lot of people get hung up on the gifts, the tongues, and the prophecy, and, and the things that, that spook us or, or, or weird us out, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, if we don't look more like Jesus, it's not the Holy Spirit. He's here to make us look more like Jesus. So grieving the Spirit, and I've I done some homework for you, grieving the Spirit involves hindering what he's trying to do internally. Did you know the Holy Spirit right now, I don't care what your background is, I don't care where you've been, what you've done, right now the Holy Spirit is active in your life. Right now he's trying to do something in your life. There, there are some things he's probably trying to get rid of. There are some things he's trying to deposit in us. And any moment that we stop working with him or, or Pastor Chad preaches a message and, and we know the Holy Spirit's speaking to us about this area of our life and we ignore it, what are we doing? We are grieving the Holy Spirit. We are hindering what he's doing in our heart. And he's active in your life. You're not the same person you were five years ago, three years ago, one year ago, six months ago. Why? Because he's always working internally. Now, that verse, Ephesians 4.30, he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed, okay, for the day of redemption. I want to put that verse in context, okay? We kind of pulled it out and read it, but let's look at the verse before it and the verse after it to give context to it. Starting in verse 29, here's what Paul says. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, 
but only what is helpful for the building uh, for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Paul connects grieving the Holy Spirit with speech. How many know we can use our words to build up or tear down? There's a lot of Christians that are saved, but I want their mouth to get saved. Come on, somebody. That, that, that we don't use our words to tear down. We use our words to build up. Some people feel like, well, the Holy Spirit's not working in my life, Pastor. I don't see his hand. I don't hear his voice. I just don't sense that he's doing anything in my life. Could it be it's because of the words you've been speaking? Could it be that you've allowed bitterness in your heart? Could it be that you, you, you've done something to grieve what he's trying to accomplish in you? Paul connected grieving the Holy Spirit with the words that we speak with bitterness in our heart, that it quenches what's going on in us. The second thing that damages our relationship with the Holy Spirit is quenching him. Grieving deals with, with hindering what he's doing in me. When I grieve the Holy Spirit, it's because I hindered what he's doing in me. When I quench the Holy Spirit, it's hindering what he's trying to do through me to minister to others. That's what quenching is. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 14. He said, we urge you, Brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. How many could work on that? Two of you, awesome. See that no one repays another with evil with evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another, for all people. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances. The whole context in this section of Paul's letter is instructions for believers that minister to other people. Now, a lot of people struggle with that because they think that's the pastor's job. He's called to minister to the people. No, actually, my job is to equip you to do the ministry. God gave Ephesians 4... Pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets, and apostles for what? For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Most of the ministry should be done by you. My job is to equip. Your job is to do it. All right? If you're called into the five-fold ministry as a pastor or a teacher or apostle or prophet, any of those things... Your job is to equip people to do ministry. So Paul's talking about how we do ministry to other people. And he's highlighting that, that we can hinder that, that we can ignore his promptings of what he's trying to do through us. I mean, how many of you would, would admit today that there's been some time in your life where you knew the Holy Spirit told you to do something, to encourage someone, to pray for someone, and, and, and you got in the way, and, and instead of doing it, you ignored it, passed it off, and you know you missed God. Anybody done that besides me? Come on, I, I've, I've done it multiple times, and I, I'm embarrassed to tell you, there have been times I've just missed it. I knew, and sometimes it's because I was worried about what people would think. I was worried about, well, if I go and encourage that person, what if I do call them and, and just lift their spirits? Of what, what if they question my motives of why I'm doing it? And how many, we can get in our own way. We are called to help people. 
to minister to other people. And Paul says, don't quench what the Holy Spirit is doing. Now, that happens in our individual lives. You can be sitting at a mall. And I know ladies shop, men sit. I understand. I sit at the mall and watch people. It's what I do. Uh, but I've been there before in the Holy Spirit. Give me a compassion for someone. And, and, and how many know you can feel weird in that moment? Like, I don't even know them. And you want me to do what? You want me to pray for them. You want me to encourage them. But those kind of things happen in our individual lives. It also happens in the church that we can quench what the Holy Spirit is doing in the corporate gathering. And, and what I mean by that is sometimes, sometimes, and I grew up in a church that abused this, all right? And so I'm very analytical. I have a lot of questions, okay? I did as a kid. Why do y'all do that? What does that mean? But we sometimes in the church, we try to force the Holy Spirit to do a certain thing. You can't force the Holy Spirit to do anything, all right? It's not about that. We think if we sing that song, preach that point, that the Holy Spirit will do what he did the last time. Here's what I've learned about serving God and, and in a relationship with the Holy Spirit is that he rarely does it again the same way. We want to put him in a box. You need to, God's a creator. He doesn't ever have to do the same thing again. Doesn't mean he's not going to heal again, do a miracle again. I'm just saying when he performs the healing and the miracle, he may not do it the same way. And a lot of people struggle because they have a desire to control, and nothing will quench the Holy Spirit faster than you trying to control him. You have to yield to him. Is this all right? Is it just too heavy? All right. You got to yield to him. And, and guys, it doesn't have to be in church. It can be at the mall. It could be out on the lake. I mean, it, you know, it doesn't matter. Just know the Holy Spirit wants to know you. He wants to make himself known to you. He wants your relationship with him to be deepened. And I got to get to these last three points so I can stop sweating. Lord have mercy. All right. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. The amazing grace of the master Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. The word friendship, everybody say friendship. The Greek word is koinonia. You don't have to say that one, all right? Koinonia. But it, it speaks of three levels of relationship. Three levels of relationship that Paul talks about with the Holy Spirit here, all right? Now, I'm going to break this down so that we can grab it. The first level of relationship would be your Facebook friend. Come on, somebody. Fellowship. Y'all throw that on the screen. Thank you. Fellowship. Facebook friend. Um, this is the most common level of relationship that people have with the Holy Spirit because this relationship is friendly, but it's occasional. All right? This would be your typical, I'm going to come to church on Sunday, I'm going to hear what the Holy Ghost is saying, and then I'm going to do my own thing. All right? It's similar to how we do social media because we want the appearance of friendship without the commitment of friendship. I'm going to say it another way. We want to know their business, but we don't want them to know our business. That, that's really what we're saying. That, that, that's what we're talking about. All right? So that's best demonstrated in your relationship with the Holy Spirit when it's occasional. I'm, I'm going to encounter him at church. And, and it's crazy to me how we all want to go to heaven, but nobody wants to spend time with God now. 
Oh, I want to. I want to go. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. But but why do you want to go to heaven to spend eternity with a God that you don't even know when you get there? I said it on a Sunday. I know. Secondly, I am. I'm getting a little more pumped up. All right. Maybe it's the sweat. Secondly, I haven't sweated like this in a long time in church. Secondly, a project friend. And this is partnership. This is the, the second level of relationship Paul's talking about. Koinonia is partnership. This is where there's giving and receiving. So it's not just the occasional, I'm going to hear what the Holy Spirit's saying and then, then do my own thing. At this level, okay, at this level, you probably have a, a devotional life that every day you're going to read the Bible, you're going to pray, you're going to encounter Him, you're going to find out, you know, what, what God's Word is saying, you're going to, you're going to speak to Him, you, you may even have a checklist, all of those things, you know, that, that you're praying about. And the problem at staying at this level, now if you're at this level, it's not a bad thing. The problem is, is that there's very, it can become over time a place where there's very little heart in it. That we're checking boxes. I read my Bible. I prayed. I, I talked to the Lord. And, and we check things off. And let me warn you, nothing wrong with that as long as you're progressing. Because if you stay there too long, your faith can become a job instead of a joy. And a lot of people find themselves there. Now, here's the, here's the deal. We want to move to the third phase. Praise the Lord. We're almost done. Worship team, come back. The third thing, the third level of, of relationship. You guys go ahead and throw that up there for me. Best friend. Best friend. Everybody say best friend. This is the intimate relationship that we are going after a best friend is a powerful thing. How many of you would say, and, and maybe you don't have one now, but you've had one at some point in your life, you would say, I have had a best friend before. Come on, raise your hand. Some of you can't say that. Like, but I've had, I've had a best friend. And, and the cool thing about a best friend is, is that a best friend knows the good you and the ugly you. Right? The best friend is there's no mask. They see me when... I'm good to my wife. They see me when I've not been good to my wife. They see me when I'm, being, when, when I'm doing the right thing. They see me when I'm doing the wrong thing. They, they've seen there's no mask with a best friend. You can be you, and they love you for you. You don't have to hide anything. There's no mask. But that kind of intimacy only takes place with quality time. It takes quality time. And it's demonstrated with what the Scripture calls prayer without ceasing. Prayer without ceasing, all right? Yeah, it's continual, it's habitual, it's all those things, and somebody goes, man, that just sounds exhausting. That sounds like a lot of work. And it does if you're trying to do it in your own strength, but when you have a real friendship with the Holy Spirit, this is no longer done in your strength. It's done in His strength. Which means I could be at a cookout and still I don't have to be a weird freak and start praying out loud in front of people. I was recently on vacation. By the way, I missed you guys. I didn't preach for two weeks here. Um, but just being there with my family, there was just moments looking at the ocean, being with my kids, watching them play. And you may say, well, you're a weird dude. Well, maybe I'm weird, but I didn't do anything out loud. But internally, I just knew, man, this... God's here. 
How many know that, that he can change your perspective? You can be looking at a bunch of circumstances that, that rob you of joy, but in that moment, one whisper of the Holy Spirit saying, look what I've given you in this wife. Look at what I've given you in these children. Look at how I've blessed you. Look, you're looking at an ocean right now. I mean, just in that little moment, that little moment of knowing my friend, he's talking to me. He wants to know you that way, and it's not a duty, it's a delight. It's not a discipline, it's desire. And if you've ever had a best friend, you know how comfortable you can be in yourself and that with yourself and where you are. That's what the Holy Spirit wants for you. He wants that kind of relationship. So I want you to stand to your feet for just a moment. Close your eyes, no one looking around, moving around in the next couple of minutes. Let's treat this moment as important. But I got a couple of questions for you. Two questions. The first one would simply be, where is your relationship with the Holy Spirit? Where is it? Treated him like a Facebook friend where you talk to him on Sunday. Maybe you've got it in a partnership. You're, you got a devotional life and all that. But have you really moved into the third level of relationship with the Holy Spirit where you and the Holy Spirit are intimate? You share your heart's secrets with him. He speaks back to you. Secondly, I want you to, I, I just want to ask this. Where do you want your relationship with the Holy Spirit to be? And wherever you want it to be, you need to let God know that. And everybody's at a different place. Not everybody's at the same place. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, man, I, I, it's just something powerful about knowing he is present and that he is with you. And I just, I sense I need to encourage some people right now that just feel like, what is, what's it all mean? Why am I doing what I'm doing? It just seems that things are not the way they should be. I, I just want to encourage you. The Holy Spirit is with you. He's in you. He wants that relationship to grow and to develop and to become very intimate. But you may be in this place today, and the truth is you don't know Jesus. That tug at your heart, what you feel, that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's drawing you. That's the only way we can be saved. So if you're in this place, as heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one looking around. We're not going to embarrass anyone today. But if you'd say, you know what, Pastor, you're talking to me, and maybe you're even watching online, and this is for you. I need to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I need to be forgiven of all my sins. I want to know that I'm ready for heaven. If that's you, that's the first step. If that's you, would you just shoot your hand up right there where you are and say, that's me, Pastor. Thanks for this hand right here. God bless you. Anyone else? One back here. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Say, that's me. I just need to invite Jesus into my life. If you're watching online, there's people ready to pray for you. There's a tab to click. You can get saved in your kitchen or living room. It doesn't matter. God is there. We're going to pray with these hands that have went up. Come on, Bethesda Church. Let's repeat this out loud where everyone can hear it. Come on, we're going to pray with them. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. So today, I ask you to forgive me, to come into my heart, to be my Lord and my Savior. Be the boss of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, celebrate those individuals today. Amen. God bless you.
Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.